but I'm looking at my broad or my arrow and the broadhead snapped off like at the insert. Like it's like you see the like you see the insert still. Yeah. Just pounded that shoulder. Dude, like it was my job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sucks, man. What's up, fellow elk fanatics? If you wanna be a better elk hunter, you wanna kill more elk, you need a system. And after years of interviewing the best elk hunters in the world, I've put together a four-step system, a framework, if you will, to help you get to the next level. Every single one of the best elk hunters have their system. It just took them 20 years to develop that. And this course is a blueprint for you to develop your system and make you a better hunter. Feedback has been pouring in and everyone says we could charge double for this course, but right now it's only 30 bucks and you get the audio only version. So it's like listening to a podcast. This course skips all the fluff that you got from other courses or you already know and gets right to what you need to know and help you develop your system. And I think that's what people really love about it. No fluff. In three and a half hours, you will have a system that took me 20 years to develop. So if that's not worth $30, I don't know what is. Check the link in the show notes if you want to check out the Elk Hunt 201 course. It's pretty powerful, pretty amazing, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Alrighty, Mr. Jaden Bales, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we try to preface this. So before the season, we've been doing a lot of this 201 talk of taking your elk hunting from this 101 to 201. And by that, we mean wandering around the woods aimlessly hoping to find something versus maybe the 201 level of being confident that you're going to kill something. Um, so Jaden's kind of been the guinea pig, so to speak. Uh, and we're going to dive into what happened. We did a update uh, for the Patreon members uh, mid-season. Jaden had a pretty epic uh, opening weekend. We're going to touch on that a little bit, but um, yeah, Jaden, some highs and lows, a crazy season. Uh, where do we even start, man? I just thought it was funny that before season, you were like, man, I hope that I just have this crazy long season. Like, <laughs> I know that you personally like to like draw things out and have like that drama. And I'm over here like, God, I just trying to kill on the first day, man. I'm just trying to get one done. And Dude, then, you were so confident you were going to kill on the first day. Well, <laughs> yeah, I was pretty damn confident because I knew. And, and that goes back into some of the recap we'll get into in just a sec. But then it was just funny that it took me down to the, the final day of season and you got yours on like the third day of season. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which never happens. Usually like I'm the one passing and just like drawing it out, like intentionally shooting myself in the foot so it lasts longer. And, yeah. you know, I, I tag out day three and you, and you tag out last day of season. So, uh, yeah, um, I want to circle back and talk a little bit like. 201 level stuff. When we first started talking about this, where did you put yourself um, as an elk hunter and, and how did you think you would put yourself, you know, post 2019 season? So uh, going into the season, I, I knew that I was going to try to take out all the variables that I possibly could um, in getting prepared. So uh, I shot pretty much daily over the summer. Um, I did about nine months worth of mountain tough fitness got that kind of dialed. I actually lost like 15 pounds, um, prior to season. And then I also spent every Wednesday plus multiple days on the weekends, usually, uh, scouting for elk. So I kind of did the whole gamut of like as much as I can do preseason as scouting and, and dialing in, um, a bunch of other factors before season to make sure I could come in just guns a blazing. And it turned out like that kind of was the fact, like the case was that I was able to come into season and be an elk uh, first thing. And I was in elk. I literally was thinking back on the calendar and there was not a single day of the 20 days that I hunted elk that I was not at least bumping a herd or <laughs> something. So, it, we'll call it an so elk. Then, Saying you bumped elk every day was like kind of a, a downside. You're into elk uh, every one of the 20 days, which is like, that's a feat, man. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was really excited about just, uh, I look back on previous years and that in itself was the biggest change, right? Like previous years, I've spent a lot of time just finding where elk are. Uh, this year I was in elk every day. I knew where their bedrooms were. And then it was just finding out like, uh, 
let me actually back up. I knew where their house was, and I needed to find the bedroom they were hanging out in. Yeah. Um, sometimes I barged into their own room, and they were <laughs> busted out of there. You know what I mean? Dude, I specifically remember that transition um, between feeling like you were successful with just getting into elk every time. Because I, I remember being younger, and, and I was like, yeah, I didn't get one, but I was into elk. You know, even if it was like, oh, I was into elk seven of the 10 days, that's, that was a win to me. And, it, and looking back even now, it's like, I, I totally get it because man, I look at some of the guys that are unsuccessful this year. And that's like, that's the key is like, you're not going to kill one if you don't, if you're not getting into opportunities. And if you're only getting an opportunity once a week, like, man, that could be tough. Well, and, and as I found out, it, especially for someone with very few skills like myself, <laughs> you need a, you need a ton of opportunities for you to finally like get to the place especially mentally where you can execute like with a like very thoughtful um execution of your shot of what you need to be doing ranging and like that whole final step like it took a lot of the whole final process it took a ton of like trial and error before I actually had one come together where I wasn't you know losing my crap yeah. Well, I, okay. So for all the listeners, I know Jaden really well, so I feel like I can throw him under the bus a little bit, but oh, yeah. the, the last podcast we talked, um, when we did a two one recap it was after your opening weekend, you had some faux pars and, uh, missed opportunities, but you know, it was funny because going into it, I, I felt like Jaden was pretty confident he was going to kill opening weekend. And I wasn't not confident that he wasn't like he had put in some serious work. I was like, man, he might actually kill a bull opening weekend. Um, but then I think he got punched in the mouth a little bit and realized like there's a big gap difference between even sc- doing all your scouting, having everything ready, shooting your bow. There's a big gap difference between knowing where elk are, being able to shoot your bow, and then putting those two together. There's a yep. lot of shit that has to happen in the last little bit to make it all come together. And so, I, you know, I'm speaking for here, but like I would say if we recap to the last podcast, it was like that the, the Patreons did. It was more like, yeah, Jaden got punched in the mouth. Uh and then the season really oh, woke up on you. Yeah. So uh, for folks who didn't maybe listen to that episode, um, the quick and dirty is opening morning. The day before season, uh, we got up to a glassing spot. I bugled off this knob and had the whole basin light up with bugles. This is August 31st. And you're like, I'm a professional. <laughs> I'm like, I know what I'm doing. So the next morning, the next morning I hiked in three miles the opposite direction, like come up from the bottom. Cause that's where the wind, the winds were agreeing. Uh, I had a bullet. I was at full draw 50 yards, literally waiting for shooting light. And then he busted. I shot a tree ranch trying to shoot a bull about 15 minutes later. And then as I'm looking for that arrow, another herd of elk walks by me and I miss a bull at 43 yards. <laughs> Well, the bull was at 37 and I shot for 30, 43 and that was the, that's the, that's the, that's the difference and between missing different. and hitting. <laughs> um, so, so that was opening day and I had three encounters where I was full draw at least. So, um, that was quite the punch in the mouth, especially cause I'm out two arrows. I had three broadheads total or like three broadheads I wanted to be using. Uh, I had some others like for backup, but now I'm down to one. And, uh, and I, it's opening day. So, uh, that's how we started. And that's pretty much how, what continued through the rest of the season. So that next weekend, um, I called a bowl in to, in my lap and then just tried to move to right when he was staring at me, uh, and busted him out. The next day I called a bowl in and had him at like 18 yards and just like full draw was unable to like get a clear shot on the vitals. And instead of pegging the tree, I just, I, I let down on that one. Uh, <laughs> Don't want to ruin that last arrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The last broadhead. So, uh, uh so, so yeah, first I two mean, weeks actually were really good. No, first two weeks were really good. I don't remember when we did the podcast, but I remember like you were into elk a lot in that first part of season. Uh, and then you kind of went through that dry spell. Well, when did you go with Ryan? Cause at some point you went with Ryan and Cody on Ryan's Wyoming hunt, um, right. to help call and film and all that stuff. Um, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest. I don't necessarily think I had like too bad of a dry spell. So that was like, Uh, the second weekend of season, like I called in an elk each of those days. And if I look back, like 
that day, I probably would have told you like, yeah, that hunting was slow afterwards. But yeah. if you're getting a call in a day, that's pretty good, I feel like. No, that's good. I mean, if you're, I would say if you're getting into elk every day, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and a call in is doing really good. So uh, so you get the opportunity, and, and you and I kind of talked about this. You're like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hunt when I go with Ryan. I was like, you know, Ryan is, I think, one of the best hunters there is right now. You mm-hmm. need to go and just like pick his brand or like just learn, just be around see what he does. Um, and so you get that opportunity to go hunt with lampers, uh, for the week, uh, after we did the podcast. So, I mean, what was kind of your biggest takeaway other than Ryan knows how to go way too far back to, to kill an elk. So, (laughs) so honestly, like I, I understand that there's, there's a true lesson to be learned with that. So, um, we also, but before you start, I want to say that you were like very nervous to go hunt with uh, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> and I, like, not the, like the but, couple days before, I think you kind of like felt confident, but like, I would say a week before, maybe even two weeks before, you were freaking nervous to go with Ryan, as you rightfully so. I mean, the guy is ridiculous. Like, like the scenario that happened with Ryan is exactly what I was kind of afraid of, but the way that it played out, it turned <laughs> out like, um, I shouldn't have been, I shouldn't have been so weary. So, yeah. so basically, um, to give catch everyone up to speed on that situation in Wyoming, you have to have a resident guide to go in. You have to either pay a guide or have a resident friend uh, who doesn't take any money to go in the wilderness area here. Ryan being Ryan wants to go into the, the deepest wilderness area in the lower 48. Um, so we did, uh, and we were into elk. Dude, we didn't, we didn't leave the trailhead until like 9 AM probably. Um, we were just kind of taking our time that first day and we still called a bull in that day, like <laughs> five miles back. Um, so, I mean, that was just kind of like set the tone. So once we called that first bull in, it's weird because we hiked in a, a long ways and then all of a sudden like the throttle was like just pulled way back because it was like, okay, we're in elk, they're elk bugling. It's time to like start getting into kill mode and not cruise mode. Mm. Um, for me personally, like up until that point I had been doing, you know, like somewhere between 13 and 16 miles a day cruising for elk. Yeah. We get back there and minus that five miles to get there those next two days, I don't think we did 10 miles. Um, interesting because we, because we really just toned it down and started going like, how can we kill elk? Yeah. Not how can we bump all the herds? No, that's a hard thing to explain to people. And I think Ryan does a really good job of this, of like just going so hard to get away from people. And then all of a sudden, you know, being able to flip that switch and turn it off. And I think that's what makes him a really great mule deer hunter as well is like the guy can go stupid hard to get to somewhere and then instantly flip a switch and be patient, you know, which I feel like for me, it's hard because like, I'll be like, hike, 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 hike. But then I, I get there and I'm kind of in that same mentality or same mode. And I'm like, just cover ground, cover ground. And I mean, there's times where that's good and there's times where it's bad. It's just like knowing when and how to flip that switch, which is, I think, difficult. For sure. And so what the situation was back there is like we could glass where the elk were uh, when they were out feeding in the morning. And then we'd watch where they went and like they would bed in thicker timber. You couldn't see them, you know, when they're bedded. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically like we went and glassed up the elk, we could hear them bugling. They were ripping in the morning, especially. And then once we identified what their pocket they went into, then you could squeak around and like get into them and set up and do the whole, uh, call in. Um, which is eventually how he killed his bull. Like we spotted an elk walking in the middle of the day and kind of like found where it bedded down. And then we hiked down into there and set up. So and instead of just like one. calling at this elk that's out in the wide open middle mm-hmm. of the day, you know, you're like, okay, let's, let's play the situation. Right. Yep. And we basically like went to his bedroom, um, snuck into his bedroom, got him to respond once and then set up, you know, um, it was actually like a much easier call in than I had even expected. So that was, like, that goes back to that lesson. Like once you get into kill mode, it's time to, to throttle it back. Like you can, you can take time making decisions mm. once you're in the elk. Um, yeah. and that was a huge thing I learned. Was that something you, you think you were kind of just going to Rambo that first weekend or first two weeks, I should say? 
A thousand percent. Way too Rambo. Um, <laughs> so, Way don't too go full Rambo. Rambo. Way don't too go full Rambo. Rambo. Never go full Rambo. Never go full Rambo. So he, and, and that was like, and, and so uh, after that pack out, um, which I think all that's going to be on a Phelps film, pretty sure. Yeah. Um, they got the, they got multiple call-ins on film and then they also got his shot just on film. That bull literally, like he shot it, it took two steps forward and then it fell backwards on the arrow. Like it's all, it's, oh, it's awesome. It's going to be sweet video. Nice. Did um, you call it in or he called in? Uh, I was bugling in the back and then he kind of cow called, uh, up closer and got him to like, you know, kind of make close that distance, close that distance, like to shooting range basically. Nice. But Yeah. That was fun. Were you uh, super nervous to call for Ryan? At first, yeah. Well, it was really helpful because we we called that bull in that first day, and we called it a test run just to basically like get you know. There's yeah. some chemistry, like team chemistry, you got to figure out when you're calling in for someone else. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we called that bull into like 25 yards, and it was like a four point. Nice. And uh, and so that was a good confidence boost right off the bat. Did you feel like getting that far back was uh, beneficial and just kind of elk behavior, like making it a little bit easier to call those elk in just because they probably weren't messed with? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I think the biggest behavioral difference was. It wasn't that you could or couldn't call an elk closer to the road. Mm-hmm. It's just that these elk in particular, when you're 10 miles back, which is basically where you ended up killing that elk, 10, 12, uh, they come into calls bugling their face off without any like real hesitation mm-hmm. um just because they haven't been screwed with you know yeah well and that's one thing that you had kind of told me uh like a week or two ago you're like you know i think ryan just works his face off to get to areas that are easy a lot easier hunting i'm like yeah that's yeah a, that's a pretty good summary of it <laughs> now i like one thing that's really important to note though is like it's not just about going to the deepest part of the wilderness area Within this wilderness area, we worked to get away from trails where there were horse packers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's not like you can't just go, I'm going to go to the deepest, darkest area on the map and expect to be away from people. You have to do some additional legwork to make sure you're in the hole where there's nobody else. Yeah. Um, and so I guess it's that whole thing of like, you know, people used to go to the backcountry because no one was there. Now there's people there and you still have to work to find the hole even if it's 10, 12 miles back. Oh, for sure. Man, I think, and I'd be curious what your thoughts are on this, uh, because like just being in Montana, there's a big difference between owning horses in Montana and I would say owning horses in Oregon. Like there's far less people that own horses in Oregon. Uh, So like Montana, everybody's got horses. So it feels like the backcountry really isn't that, you know, secluded. Uh, because people can ride everywhere. And so I, I don't know, is Wyoming kind of the same? You, you get that vibe? Oh, it's, yeah, it's totally the same. There was, uh, I think when we went in, there was at least two or three horse trailers at the trailhead. Um, and we never saw a person. Huh? So, yeah. I mean, well, I mean there's like, like the upside of that. It. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. And I think you guys, I mean, like you guys had talked about it and you're like, okay, one of the game plans is to get away from horses. Like we're looking at the map on that, not Mm -hmm. how to get away from trailheads or how to get away from highways. It's like, how do we get away from horses? Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that's a good approach for sure. Yeah. So that was a big, that was a big aspect of, of that whole hunt that, uh, yeah, that was really important that I could take away. And it's also the same, like you're saying from trailheads and from roads, it just happens to be the same process. Um, but on smaller scales. Uh, what was the other, was there any other big takeaways that you took from that hunt? Um, well, so like to distill it down for folks, there was like two main takeaways. One, slow it down once you get into the elk. Um, and that included like, so from every point on after that, uh, it also is related to the fact that I missed uh, a couple times, but, um, every point after that, whenever I heard a bugle, instead of running like straight at it, I took like five deep breaths wait in a minute and then go, okay, what's like the most, like the most intelligent way to approach this particular yeah. situation. And that deep breath also helped me not wind myself up and get to a place where I wanted to just fling arrows like Rambo. <laughs> no, for sure. Like I, I, I totally get it. I remember, uh, actually I was probably your age and I was like very Rambo. Like I would just go, 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 go. Um, yeah. and now it's like, I hear a bugle. Uh, I doesn't, 
I mean, I get excited, but it's like definitely not like to the level of like, oh god, that's a bugle. Like it's it's not this rare thing anymore. I'm like right. judging everything about it, like trying to figure yep. out tone. I'm trying to personality. I'm trying to figure out you know what, how hot is it? Not hot. You know, direction. Uh, mm-hmm. Thinking about where it's going, and then it's like, am I gonna kill this bull? It's like the tenth thing down the checklist for me of it. You know is should i go kill this bull so like for me it's not it doesn't get me it's just like there's just too much analyzing that's going on when i'm listening to a bugle but even in in and as like a if you call yourself a 201 hunter or trying to get to that level even if you're just trying to kill more elk like consistently it's really important to have that thought process because i think if you just run at every bugle Mm -hmm. you can you're gonna find one you're probably gonna run into a lot of hunters two um those bulls aren't always in like the most killable spots. Yeah. Oh, for Just sure. Like, for sure. For sure. How it goes. So that was, that was lesson one, slow it down. Lesson two, um, fitness is helpful when it comes to actually getting to the elk. Um, and especially like, so, so we had four guys and we packed out camp and a quarter each. And then Ryan had the head and some organ meat. So we're running, I don't, I mean like we didn't weigh our packs, but just like, like if you do some simple math, you're running 30 to 40 pounds camp packs plus 60, 70, 80 pounds of meat. Um, yeah, you gotta have some, like, you gotta have some stamina to come out 12 miles. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's just like how it goes. Yeah. Uh, Dude, that's a at pull. the same time, like it's, it was a pull, but like at the, you just like, once you, you also have to exert some energy to get that far. So as you go further, you go, wow, this is going to hurt coming out. Yeah. <laughs> and you just like expect it. Is there any piece of you? Cause I feel like, um, once you've kind of done extreme things, everything else starts to feel easier. And I, I think that in my career as a solo hunter, I've slowly progressed and pushed myself farther and farther and farther. And I remember, way back when thinking like stuff was a big Canyon or stuff was, you know, big hike or whatever. And now I would almost laugh at those because like once you've pushed yourself, once you push yourself to go 15 miles, like five doesn't seem like anything. And so like, as it progresses, so do you think that like kind of going on that hunt and just getting pushed by other people, um, will take it up a notch? Do you think that took it up just within the season? Yeah, I think every time that you you do something bigger like that, mm-hmm. um, it's going to like break another barrier down to be yeah. like, well, you know, that hike right there, that's just going to take time, you know, and you can get through it. Um, it's like this weekend I was I was mule deer hunting with my friend Louie, who's from Arkansas, and I was glassing this meadow that was in the bottom of a hole, you know, six seven hundred feet down, um, vertical feet down. And he's like, dude, I'm not shooting something in that hole. And I was like, eh, yeah, you would. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that big of a deal once you realize, like, you know, dude, you can do this kind of stuff. It yeah. uh, doesn't matter what kind of sh- – like, honestly, like, the physical fitness part, it helps make it more enjoyable. But if you just settle down into this mindset of, like, this is going to suck, it's going to take time, but that's okay, yeah. uh, that's when you really start, I think, pushing those boundaries. Well, to a certain level, like, fitness is more about – time than it is i mean you can do it if you're out of shape it's just gonna take a really long time it's gonna suck um whereas you know once you're you do a mount tough course and then you're like oh man i can cover this much ground i just do it faster it's less time consuming and that's i mean i think when you talk about big distances big mountains things like that you know whether it's like uh shit we gotta you know climb four thousand feet today you're like you're like god that's gonna take forever like i I mean yeah yeah, it sucks but like i i more i i now dread the time more than the exertion like to a certain extent for me like fitness becomes fuel in fuel out and i'm just like man that's gonna freaking take forever to climb four thousand feet like god okay let's go it's just like that pack out. So like, you know, you, you put it on paper and you're like, yeah, the 12 mile pack out with really heavy packs. Like that seems like a long ways, but the way that we approached it is like, we're going to take our time getting out. It took us eight hours to get out of there because we would go. Yeah, no, we're not going to break any records. And then additionally, like we're going to stop every mile or every half mile or every three quarter mile, depending on how tough that mile was Mm -hmm. and like, and and stop and regroup and make sure we get enough food and water and stuff. Like, um, it's just acknowledging the fact that like you're saying fuel in, fuel out, and it's just going to take, it it just takes like a steady, a steady pace and you're going to get her done. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you get back from uh, the West Side Hunt, we'll call it, and um, mm-hmm. back to kind of the old stomping grounds. But when you got back, to, like, I thought I remember you not having elk where you thought they were, or they weren't where you had scouted and all that. Am I just uh, so misremembering? The, well, the, I found elk. They weren't talking. Is, uh, is, so, like, I could, I was, I was like creeping through these like uh, bedding areas, and there's one, one area in particular was kind of like the game changer for me where I was like, all right, screw this. I had these cows that I saw in sight. There was a bull with them, like in bedding area. So it's a thick, thick timber, but I, I'm, so I'm 50 yards, 60 yards from these cows. And I screamed at these elk, just, um, just like I'd been doing with Ryan or whatever. And, and then that bull just picked up his cows and went the other direction. And yeah. I was like, huh. like, they just don't want to play. And if they're not wanting to play and they're not in a place where you can like spot and stock, I was like, it's time to just pick up and try some new country, maybe where yeah. I can find something that wants to play. That yeah. was my thought process. Yeah. I mean, I've been there. I, I've done that exact same thing. I remember in Idaho, there's one I'd really love to have back. Uh, but I was, shit, I was only like a hundred, but it was open timber and I rip out a bugle and the bull just like leaves and never said another word. And I was like, mm-hmm. Ah, you know, I ran that scenario through my head a million times and I think I would have just kept stalking in, stalking in, um, and trying to get close. Like I was there, I had the win. I didn't need to, like the timber was open enough that I didn't need to call him into 30. I could have slipped to 50 or 60. Uh, and it depends on how thick the terrain is, but like, yeah, I, that's one thing I learned, uh, especially late season Idaho where like, bulls have been called to they've been after with you know it's like they've seen the game um i yeah if i can like i love calling bulls and i think you can call almost any elk but if i if i'm there like i already have i already got within stocking range like it's a matter of getting the shot now there's no mm-hmm. reason to call for me that's my theory uh yeah. now that would change if i was like in the bob marshall and and you know I was hunting elk that never been hunted before like maybe that's different um but yeah, you know, I've learned that lesson before. Yeah, so that was uh, basically what I ended up doing. The the one reason, the main reason why uh, I probably I couldn't have really slipped into what doing what you're talking about is because it was real thick. You mm. know, a bunch of blow down, um, bunch of underbrush. Like it, it would have been tough. I okay. not saying it couldn't be done. Um, it would have been tough. So I was just trying to get that elk that wanted to play. For sure. Um, so then I went. So then I went to a new uh, mountain range uh and blew up my truck so that was fun. <laughs> yeah that's right oh i almost forgot about that yeah, yeah. so jane gets back elk are talking and then you blow up your truck oh man yeah what a so, season i'll tell you i'll tell i'll tell folks a little bit about this situation to hopefully prevent this from happening <laughs> <laughs> so i'm bumping along on these like mountain roads way off i mean i was uh, let's see, I was probably 30 miles from the nearest like civilization, which is not bad, but I was in some rough mountain roads and I was calling at night. So it's 11, 12 o'clock at night trying to get bugles to come back. Uh, and pretty soon, like I thought I like ran over a stick and I was like, God, what was that? Uh, I can't see anything under the truck. That was weird. So I kept driving along and then all of a sudden my truck starts overheating and I'm like, Oh, that's not good. <laughs> and, uh, so that son of a gun, like he really overheated and, uh, I get out, pop the hood and my fan blade is disintegrated. Um, and my battery had bounced into the fan blade. So battery so, bounced off, plans in the yeah. fan, shatters the fan, blows and, up the radiator, like shrapnel from the fan, literally put dents in the hood coming inside out. You'll oh. see it when you see. Not <laughs> good. Oh, it's just, oh, dude. So uh, I tried to limp my truck. So like I'm, I'm a long ways from home. I try to limp my truck back. Uh, I've got six gallons of water. So I put water in, drive like a mile or two, and then it overheats. And then I put more water in and I drive like a mile or two, and then it overheats. Um, is like the sensor I, going off or is it like like shooting steam out or like what's happening? It was just like I just saw like on my gauge, like uh. it was overheating. So I was like, all right, like, cool her down. And it was like 30 degrees out. So it was cooling down pretty quick. Uh, anyway, I finally like go to pull the last hill before dropping down in the valley where Laramie is and the truck just gives up. She's not going. Oh uh, no. 
Yeah, so I had this guy, Louie, that I, I mentioned earlier. He gets good guy of the year award because not only <laughs> did he come up there and tow me back to town, but he loaned me his forerunner for like the week. Uh, yeah. Um, so I was able to keep hunting. <laughs> At this point, like Jaden, I think – okay, so I talked to Jaden right after this – and I think at this point it was like feeling pretty defeated. Like things were not going as planned. So at this point I'd missed, I'd missed three times. Um, <laughs> I couldn't find any elk like that wanted to bugle. Uh, it was windy, so you can't hear much. Yeah, um, it snowed. And my truck, and my yeah, and my truck breaks down. Yeah, uh, and I'm out without a vehicle. Yeah, um, and so there was a there was a conversation between you and I, and I think you were like kind of looking for acknowledgement on the fact that you could give up or something or like along those lines, not like saying you wanted to, it was just like, I've been there and I've been like, okay, you were, I feel like you were more like trying to, I feel like you were more felt guilty for missing for, work or yeah. like, you were like, man, I kind of need to get back. Like, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't remember what I said. Do you remember? Well, basically I think it was something along the lines of like, Damn, it'd be really easy to give up right now. <laughs> yeah. Know? No, that was, yeah, that was kind of the conversation. It'd be like, uh, you know, kick a guy while he's down, but if it would be really easy, like, okay, I guess it's rifle season. And that was the thing is like, I, part of you is not like you gave up. It'd be like, okay, I need to get back to like life. And I guess rifle season is going to be. How it was I like, I need to fix my truck. I need to work on, on backcountry fuel box. I need like, I, I, there was a lot of other things that I was allowing myself to think about, even though <laughs> my boss, uh, being a bad businessman, he is, is like, <laughs> don't worry, go hunting. I, I don't remember what I told you, but I was like, like, you're going to kick yourself if you walk away right now. Like, yeah, you just need to get out there one more time and yeah, maybe it'll come together. And so, yeah. So the next time I went out there was a Monday after work in Louis forerunner. And I marched down into this area that's like on the border of private. And I like, I'm like jogging through the woods, trying to get there into this kind of the bedding area, right? When things are starting to wake up basically for the evening, mm -hmm. I jog down in here. I get on this, like the last bench or the last like steep section right before it benches out and goes into like Aspen's. Um, it's, it's gorgeous area. And I rip a bugle and sure enough, a bull just, just torches off like 150 yards away. What goes through your head? Uh, I'm like, all right, this bull's it's game on for one. Second thing was breathe. Like, <laughs> breathe. This bull is fired up and he wants to kick your ass. It's time to like take a step and back and like think about the best way to kill this bull because he clearly is gonna like, like he torched off so fast after that bugle. It was like, all right, this game on. Yeah. Um. So basically the wind was coming, uh, it was kind of fighting at that time, uphill, downhill, uphill, downhill. Uh, cause it was about that time when it switches to downhill thermals. Um, so I got side hill from him and, uh, I kind of worked my way forward and I'd rip a, like, I just started like just the nastiest bugles I could get to just piss this bull off. And he was coming hard. Um, sure enough, I see him like, just marching in uh, from probably like a hundred yards out. I see him and I'm able to like take a deep breath, think about this whole situation. And he marches to like 23 yards. I draw back, let her rip tater chip. He was kind of quartered towards me. So I knew I needed to hug that front shoulder. Like th this was like all processing in my mind, like get her tight. Cause if you don't like, it's going to be back. Like the shot will be far back. And I shot, and I was like, God, there's no way I could miss that. Like, that was too close. Um, of course, he's like a good herd bull. This is the 23rd of September, so he's there. all the elk are herded up. And uh, I saw him march off, and he stops and looks back at me like 60 yards away. And I'm like, oh, is he going to tip over? Is he going to tip over? And he starts walking again. And I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. So he goes back to his cows, and he, he bugles again. And, um, I go to my shot and look for an arrow. It's um, never good when they bugle again. No, no, <laughs> it's not good. Um, and I have a picture of it. Uh, maybe we'll include it with this podcast episode. Um, but I'm looking at my broad or my arrow and the broadhead snapped off like at the insert. Yeah. Like the, 
Like it's like you see the like you see the insert still. Yeah. Just pounded that shoulder. Dude, like it was my job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sucks, man. I mean Oh my god. I don't know. I always like it sucks. I mean, there's maybe one spot on an elk's shoulder that you can stuff a broadhead in that it won't go through. And I you, found it. Yeah, you found it. I mean, bullseye, 12 ring, that, that shoulder or that high that spot. One, yeah, but, it's that one high spot on the ridge where like it's yeah. a couple inches thick of bone. Like, Yeah, found and it. didn't found it. And now, I mean, it sucks. I mean, two inches farther back. Hell, two inches forward, you probably would have killed that bull. You yeah. Know, two inches either way. Which sucks, and I don't like. I don't know. I go back and forth. Like it's hard to be like, oh yeah, you're laughing about wounding an elk, and it's not that they're laughing about wounding an elk. It does suck, but I'm sure that elk's probably fine. Who knows? Oh, dude. I mean, it's always hard. I to actually, say, well, I did see him again. So once I found that arrow, I was like, oh, I gotta like get on this bull's tracks. I think I can get him fired up again because he was so pissed off. He's still I'm, bugling after you shot him. Yeah. And I like get on his, his trail and then I see some cows, like probably 150 yards from where I had shot him and he had rounded up his cows and was starting to like take them in the other direction. I saw him like, I, I could see him like through the trees. He was fairly open trees in this spot in particular. And he was marching his cows off. I was like, okay. God, that would have been so cool if you would have called him back in. Oh God. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So now it's like ultra low of lows. Trucks broke down. Yep. You can't Trucks. kill anything if your life depended on it. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, that was my shot, you know? It that was, was after work on a Monday, you know? Like, I'm I'm squeezing in some time where I can. Yeah. And because uh, I've taken my week of vacation. Yeah. Um, so what's going through yeah. your head? Oh, it was one of those things, like, I actually was able to laugh that one off. Like, like that one didn't get me as down as the first couple misses of the season, honestly. Mm. Because I was like, I know exactly what happened. Like, I then, was able to process the shot and, like, was able to walk away from that experience going, son of a bitch, time to do it again, yeah. you know? Man, that's tough. That's all you can do. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Just, like, it sucks um... – it sucks that that's the way it goes down, but it also, it's got to be a small win. Like, okay, I called in a herd bull um, to 23 yards. You know, obviously. He's screaming in my face. Like, he is, yeah. he is just pissed off as he can get. And it's like, it's also like, like I was saying, the edge of Aspen country. Like, it's gorgeous. Like, on the edge of a meadow. <laughs> like, oh my God. It's what you look for. Like, yeah. like I, I think about that. It is the elk hunting experience. Like, if you could like wrap it up and put it in a package for someone. Yeah. 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 So like, especially now that it's postseason, I'm able to look back on that and be like, God dang, that was cool. Yeah. Okay. So so now you're in the dumps again. So now I'm in the dumps and I've got one season or one weekend of season left. Yep. Uh, so I work the rest of the week and, um, on Friday take off. Oh yeah. So I don't have a vehicle. Louie gets back to town. So I'm not driving the full runner. So and uh, and I have Sarah drop me off in the high country with the backpack on, <laughs> and I'm just gonna go march around. Let's keep in mind, like this local mountain range is not backpacking country. Like you can only get three miles from a truck. But you're you're essentially homeless, so, just living out of a backpack because you don't have a vehicle. So I mean, good on you. No, uh, yeah. So I'm like, yeah. So I'm like walking around on roads like with a backpack on and a bow. Like, eh, <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome and then you text me like so how do you find elk when it's snowing sideways and completely windy yeah because you can't turn up a, i couldn't turn up a bugle yeah. you know because like, it's just so windy um you can't hear i'm sure they were there because i i actually did find i found again it was actually in the same rough roughly the same area where i saw that herd and screamed in that bull's face the week prior mm-hmm. um yeah it was like half mile from there and it was, I was in elk but you know I couldn't turn anything up that wanted to play again yeah um, so, you so this went back to, I was mobile I as much as I could I called Sarah and was like hey will you pick me up I need to like oh side note because it was snowing sideways all of my crap got just drenched so <laughs> like 24 hours into this thing I was soaked to the bone and was like 
couldn't get a bugle going. So I was like, all right, I need to go dry my stuff out of the house and then recoup, like regroup and go to a different area. Um, so instead of going high country, I went back to the private boundary and on Sunday, cause that was Saturday, I came out and got my crap. And then I went back to this, uh, low country, um, on Sunday and, uh, I just started marching. Like I just, I was like, today's Sunday, basically the last full day I have of season as the 29th. And, uh, I'm going to just march my legs off. That's all I can do. Yeah. Um, so I hiked down the, like basically the same drainage. I called that bull in the week prior and couldn't turn up anything. Again, it was super windy. Uh, and then I basically took a beeline along this private boundary, you know, just like pretty much every mountain range has this boundary mm-hmm. where private meets the national forest. Um, and those elk use that private as sanctuary. Um, yep. so they kind of conglomerate down there. It's just where the higher densities of elk were out here. Yeah. Um, I, I was texting you after lunch or something and was like, haven't seen a elk. And then I walk like 50 yards and I find a cow elk by herself. Yeah. Oh, there they are. So you just found uh, one elk, right? Yeah. One elk by itself. And I was like, well, at least I, I know like they're here somewhere. Yeah. Um, and then I find an old skid road, uh, and I'm walking it, calling it like cat road shuffle and I bugle and nothing. Uh, off this spot where there's kind of a meadow there like well cody said when you can't get any bugles to go up to a glassing spot and see if you can glass something and uh as i like walk out into the meadow to glass a raghorn that was standing 50 yards from where i bugled just busts out of the timber i was like oh well i'm in them like i can't like i can't buy a bugle if i to save my life and uh i go up to this glassing spot and i'm like well I'll go just hit these glassing spots down in the low country. And like, basically you're looking out into the prairie and there's some like fingers of timber that those elk bed in. Um, so I hiked over to the next glassing spot and I spot these elk. It's an hour before dark or an hour before dark and an hour and a half before shooting light ends. Uh, and I see these elk and I do plot it on Onyx. It's two and a half miles. And I'm like, okay. This is like my last shot. This is like bottom of the ninth. Like got to pull something out here. Yeah. So I was like, time to start freaking jogging. I get on that skid road because it's going to take me most of the way there. And I get on that skid road and I literally am like, like I'm on a run jogging (laughs) down the skid road trying to get to these out before dark. And I like the skid road pops into this, like uh, this little drainage where it, all of a sudden I realized, like, I think to myself, damn, it's really quiet all of a sudden. Like the wind's not blowing. I was like, I'm not going to run the rest of this mile and a half if I can get a bugle to come out of this drainage. <laughs> so I stop and I bugle and sure enough, dude, one pipes off right in the bottom. Like, oh, those are like, closer. Hallelujah. Yeah. Way closer. Um, so I get down there and the wind's coming downhill now because the thermals have officially switched for the evening. Uh, I jog down there and, uh, set up, I bugle a hundred yards from probably where I thought that bugle had come from and nothing. It's like, oh, show me a bone, man. <laughs> so then I like, I creep forward and I'm like, clearly I gave up my position now. Like I creep forward a ways and I start cow calling, you know, try to make it seem like maybe I was trying to steal some cows or whatever. And pretty soon, like, I see these raghorns staring there looking at me. I'm like, oh, maybe that's what made the bugle. There's, like, a group of raghorns, probably four or five of them, that would stop and they'd look at me and go, like, you're not the hot lady I was looking for. And then, like, they'd, like, meander off slowly. Yeah, they just didn't Um, care. They just didn't really care, yeah. And so as these these bulls were, like, meandering up the hill, um, I would keep cow calling and they would stop and look at me and – they were like in that 60, 70 yard range, um, just like just far enough that like it really wasn't going to make it uh, thread the needle or nothing like, and it's like, I'm not a great shot at that, at that distance. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of shadow these, this herd of raghorns until they get up and over this feature in the mountains. And then I just hammer the cow call and run I'm like, 
the whole way as I'm running up this feature that they had just come up on the top of. And sure enough, as I pop up over the ridge, like there's a bull standing there staring at me 40 yards. Um, took a deep breath, changed him, and literally like 40 yards on the money, which is my bottom pin because I run like a three-pin slider. And, uh, and I let it rip. So I couldn't, it felt good. I didn't have like a great window. Um, pretty much all that was showing was vitals. Um, so I was like, all right, I either hit him or I really missed him. Um, and I but gave what was your confidence at this level or at this point? Bad, bad, real, <laughs> yeah. real so, bad. So I, like I shot, I shot, I made a good shot and I go like, okay, I'm like, Basically, I'm trying to take out all of the my self-esteem issues from the season <laughs> and go like, like, okay, process this. He was the bull was standing at 40 yards. You ranged it at 40 yards. If it was a 20 degree uphill slope, that would still put him at 38 yards or whatever. Like that's within the kill zone. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm looking at like, and I go up there, and he, there's two trees that basically border the front and back of his vitals. And I'm looking at it like, there's no arrow in this tree. There's no arrow in this tree. I don't think I shot over him. That arrow had to hit. <laughs> I, I, uh, there's, there's, I was trying to like just take out all these variables, but I still wasn't confident just because I was like, everything else had gone wrong all season. No, I understand. I'm like, like, I mean, when you called me, like there was zero confidence. I was like, dude, that bull's dead. Yeah. Yeah. You were like, no, he's dead. He's laying right there. And I'm like, damn, that's all right. <laughs> um, so I basically, so this is where also the confidence dips even lower. <laughs> I go, I go looking for my arrow and like, basically, so you think of it as like the, the bull standing perpendicular to the arrow. So I follow that arrow trajectory further forward and trying to like make sure that I didn't miss. Or if I found an arrow that passed through, like I could get an idea of what happened. Um, then it's just pitch ass black dark. And, um, I, it's seven miles back to the truck, by the way. So I'm like, you know, I'm just going to start marching. And as soon as I get 30 yards from where I shot that bull, he busts. Like he'd been bedded 60 yards from where I shot. And you waited a little bit though, after the shot. 40, 45 minutes after I shot from when I actually was like, I'm going to walk out of here. Could just let him be, you know. That was the whole idea was back out and coming in the morning. Um, yeah, and you called me on your way out, and I'll say that Jaden was not confident that he had killed that bull. Like, he's like, I don't know, I couldn't find an arrow, and then he bumped. I was like, Well, did you hit him in the guts? He's like, There's no way I could hit him in the guts. Like, there was a tree there, <clears throat> and I was like, Well, then he's dead. Because you actually told me you're like, Yeah, he bumped, but then I heard a big crash, <clears throat> and I was like, Yeah, he probably just clipped his lung, and he was he laid down. You know, raghorns will lay down if they you know get hit. Yeah. And it's, they tend to just lay down. Like it's not like a yeah. big bull that's just going to go until he kills himself. Uh, you know, a raghorn will lay down. And if you one lunged him, shit, he could sit there for an hour and a half and before he, you know, dies. Um, yep. Just because he's not moving. And, and that's the thing is like, if they're not moving, they're not filling themselves up. Then, you know, sometimes that adrenaline is what kills them. Um, and so you're like, oh, he's like, you're like, I don't know. I didn't find an arrow. And, and, then I went up there and I bumped him, but blood. I yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't find any blood. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, yeah, he's dead. Like he, you shot him. He didn't know what it was. So he laid down and then you bumped him and he ran and that's what killed him. It's like once that, you know, once you start pumping stuff, I shot a tiny five point one time and same thing. The ball just laid down like right after I shot him and I watched huh. him forever and I'm like, okay, die, you know, whatever. And he stands up and starts <laughs> yeah. walking and I had to shoot him again. And in that time he just bolts and tips over and falls. Both, both were perfect kill shots. Like didn't hit the hearts, but hit huh. the lung. And it would, you know, like if he just lays down and doesn't move. And I just think that like, you didn't get their blood up, you know, their blood pressure up or getting their heart rate going. And so yeah. it doesn't pump a bunch of extra blood, but um, that makes sense. Obviously not big on elk anatomy. So, I could be wrong. <laughs> that was my theory, but it was right in, in your case. It was a hundred percent right. Yeah. So, uh, so I hiked the seven miles back to Louis forerunner cause he, he did loan it to me that Sunday. And, uh, I go, Hey Lou, like, I know you've been, he was, he was like out of town for a week and then he loaned <laughs> me his forerunner and 
And I was like, hey, Lou, do you want to skip school tomorrow and help me look for a bull? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, sure. Uh, I was like, well, let me like first ask you, like, are you going to be disappointed if we don't find this bull? Because <laughs> I like, because that's kind of how my season's going. <laughs> that's how my season's going. And I'm like, and I know for a fact that you have a lot of shit to catch up on. Like, yeah, like he's been gone for a week and like I'm asking him to take a, a crucial day off of school. And he's like, no, dude, like, I'll come help you. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, this would be helpful to have two eyes better than one. And the Jetta would have a hard time getting to the, to the top of the skid road. <laughs> so so uh, Louie and I come in there that next morning, go back to my shot. I replay all the logistics. He was standing at 40 yards. That opening was like, I think that opening was something like 28 inches wide or something, like across his vitals. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, yeah, had to have killed him. So the next step, oh, it rained over the night, by the way. And it was raining as we showed up. Ugh, so I'm like, sweet. Like, let's just wash away any hope of, of <laughs> finding him with all the blood, like any blood. Yeah. Um, and so Louie and I start like basically gritting, trying to find blood and trying to find that bed that I bumped him out of. Um, and eventually I found the bed. And we looked and there was a big wet spot in the center of it and we smelled it and it was elk piss. And we we're like, oh my God, no. You just no blood just lay in the bed. Down. No blood in the bed. Zero. Huh. Yeah. And then we looked around the bed and Louis like, dude, here's some blood. I'm like, oh God. So we tracked that bed backwards. Uh, like uh, instead of following it deeper from the shot, we tracked it back to the shot where the bull was standing. Mm-hmm. And found my arrow and it was covered. Yeah. And my arrow, like it had like, it looked like where the bubbles had popped, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And I was like, Oh dude, he's dead. He's somewhere in here. Yeah. Um, we go back to the bed and start tracking him. Sure enough, he piled up 110 yards from where he was shot. Yeah. That's right. How far from that bed? 50 yards. Yeah. So when I bumped him, he just, he crashed. He died. He was done. Yeah. I thought so from what you told me, like I was like, yeah, he stood up and tried to run and that didn't work. It was done. So yeah, uh, dude, congrats. Do you feel Thank like the you. weight's off your shoulders? Dude, more than you know. <laughs> more than you know. Uh, dude, that's incredible. so cool. I'm so yeah. pumped that it was a, I won't say a shitty season. I'm so pumped that you had to work for it, but like, I'm also pumped that you set out to kill an elk. Like that was like, this is the year of the elk, right? Like it was like, I'm going to kill an elk with my bow. And I was, I was like getting a little concerned, not going to lie like that Friday. <laughs> but when you went out, I was like, ah, it kind of sucks. He didn't get it. You know, part of me is like, ah, oh, well, you know, I mean, he'll enjoy it next year or whatever. But like, man, <laughs> yeah, I think I was probably more pumped for you on Sunday when, or Monday when you're like, text me that picture of the arrow and i was like ah that a kid yeah you're like he's done he's done yeah that was that was and it's funny like you say it like that because that's exactly how my mind was was like part of me was like i have to be in the woods to kill an elk so this weekend i'm gonna be in the woods try to kill an elk but it wasn't like confidence that i was gonna make it happen (laughs) it was kind of like all right it was time to go like you know, put my time in, you know, try to give her one, you know, give her hell. And then like, I know where they're going to be in rifle season. Yeah. Dude. And the funny thing is, is like, if you would have, if I would have told you the beginning of the season to write out the script on how it was going to play out it never in a million years, would you have figured that out? Or even that the final, you know, like just basically dogging a herd of raghorns and cow calling to him. Yeah, hey, yeah. Dude, get it done. However you get it done. Like it's, it's not, I mean, it's super romantic that you be within a herd bull, but at the end of the day, like if you got a dog or a set of raghorns that totally see you, they're just so dumb that they keep stopping to look at the cow calls. Cool beans, yeah. man. Like that's yeah. cool. <laughs> the freezer is still full either way. Oh yeah. And that's where I go. Like, that's where I go back. I like, look back on my experience with that big herd bull and I go, my freezer is full. I don't have that. Like, I don't have a six point rack on my wall, but God dang it. There's four points there. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, like it was, I had the experience of calling in a herd bull screaming into my face. I actually had it a couple times, especially including the, the Lampers trip. And like, um, yeah, I had a, a, all those experiences and, and, uh, you know, was still able to just like 
fill the freezer. And I'm super happy with that. I was, yeah, you can't ask for more. So do you feel like you semi-graduated? I, it's like a bold statement to call yourself 201 now. And I like, I'm not asking you to, I'm just, I feel like, are you, do you feel like you're more 201 this year? Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so, so let's look at like some of the differences of like 101 to 201. So, um, on Saturday evening, I was in this like area where I could glass a little bit cause it was so windy. And I run into these boys, like I was hiking back to the forerunner and I was hi- ran into these boys from Pennsylvania. Um, and they were kind of talking to me, like they come out to this spot every two to three years whenever they can draw a general tag. And he's like, yeah, I've been, you know, this is our third or fourth trip out here and we haven't killed anything yet. Yeah. He picks the same camp spot and hunts the same three or four drainages every season, you know? Wow. Um, and that's a one I mean, like, like all respect people who do that. That's a one-on-one level move. And it's probably a lot of fun because you hang out with your buddies and like, there's a lot of camp time. That's like a lot of fun. Yeah. That's good. If you're not covering like, like the day I killed that bull, I did 18.5 miles on my health app. And, wow. uh, and like, if you're not covering those miles, like you're not going to get yourself into the elk every day. Oh, for sure. And I meander through. Well, and it's like this ability that the fact, the reason you got into elk every day of season of your 20 days of season or almost every day was because you were running a lot of miles, a lot of like, not just one mountain range, like not even like all of one mountain range, like a couple mountain ranges. You're here, you're there. Like, you know, it's like bouncing around. I think that's one of the things that I, uh, I, we haven't really talked about in the 101 to 201 gap, but I do think is like, I look at an entire mountain range. I may be hunting all of it. Um, and I think when you just limit yourself to like three drainages, you're hunting a very small population of elk and, you know, it's just tough to get into elk. It's tough to consistently get into elk and get opportunities when you're hunting the same herd of elk, you know, it's like, it's sometimes you just got to mix it up and find a herd of elk that's not been screwed with, tampered with or bumped or anything. Yeah. Well, and it's like, Louie was asking me kind of on some thoughts on these areas and I'm like, he's like, dude, I'm finding fresh sign. And I go, okay, Lou, like if an elk can hike three or, or an elk can walk three to four miles an hour and he laid that shit an hour ago, he could be a long ways from here, you know? And that's what it kind of comes down to is like, is like you just, that was the biggest uh, thing was just getting in shape slash, you know, being able to be mobile with vehicles as well. Um, Like that's like where I think the biggest game changer was. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because I think if you like, and there's a lot of people and I don't want to point fingers or, or say there's some ways better than other, but if you have a camp, and you hike out the back of camp, you cannot do enough damage. Like no. you just can't cover enough ground. Like you're, what do you, I mean, even if you're a total badass and you hike like six miles in every direction of camp, you're not covering that much ground. You're, you know, 12 miles. That's what, you, you know, mm-hmm. a 12 mile circle, right? Yeah. Like that's, the other thing is, so I was thinking about this because like the way that we talk about 201, like you and I, is this, it is like, honestly, like it's very fitness oriented. Like you have to be mobile. Like it's, it's very like centered around this idea that you're going to hit a ton of spots all at once. Mm-hmm. I guess there is a caveat and in, in saying like, I know these old guys back in Northeast Oregon who will sit a wallow, but they sit that wallow every damn day for a, a week to 10 days. I think it just like, you have to pick, you have to pick a method and then like run with it to the extreme. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, it's hard to, it's kind of like that whole go fast and then go slow. Uh, when you're talking about lampers, you know, yeah. I, that's, I could see myself doing the same thing. Like I'll go so fast covering an entire mountain to find elk that want to play, but mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll hammer that spot. You know, if I don't feel like anyone's going to be there or it's not getting messed with, I'll hammer that spot until I kill an elk, you know, if it's the right spot. So like there's times I'm not bouncing around and this is where it gets really tricky for, you know, guys that, haven't wrapped their head around this concept of like going fast and slow. Um, yeah. you know, it's like covering shit tons of ground, but then just really honing in on this one spot. Um, and then when that spot's blown, it's like, okay, cover ground. Like it's you know going out of style. Um, like I told you when it was windy and snowy and I was like, man, 
you know, there's a fresh blanket that tells you exactly where the elk were. Like that's a, use that. So like get to where you can see as much as you can. I mean, you can glass tracks a mile and a half away and be like, shit, there's elk there. Like, you know, they're within a few miles of there. Um, yep. You know, so like get over there. Um, and so just use like what you can do your advantage. I know that's, that's a big thing is like you get into Wyoming, Montana and it can be windy and you can not hear anything. And that sucks. Um, you know, that's mm-hmm. my go-to for finding elk is the, the locate bugle. Uh, but if it's going to be snowy or and windy and you can't hear them, like use the snow. Uh, if you can't like find areas where you can glass a boat ton of, or a boatload of ground and, and be like, you know, there's a lone cow. I don't really want to shoot a cow, but I'm going to go there because I got this sneaking intuition that there's more than just a lone cow there. Right. You know? And then, then like in early season, it's like what we were talking about finding like a, a wallow or some sort of like deep, dark timber and then like yeah. sitting and cow calling and like just being adaptable to the each situation yeah. so you can turn stuff up. Yeah. Cause I mean, how many times I mean, throughout your season, how many, you mean you did the glassing, you did the calling, you, you know, like you did all these types of hunting. It wasn't just uh-huh. the cat road shuffle for, you know, 20 days straight. And to be fair, like the cat road shuffle wasn't what to be killed fair, me yeah. out. To be fair. <laughs> no. <laughs> and see, I mean, it just goes to prove like you just kind of do whatever it takes to get it done. Yeah. And I think having enough, like have enough tools in your toolbox is what's going to make it happen. Cause if someone would have looked at those bulls or those, those raghorns and been like, kept screaming at them, for instance, mm. if you don't know how to cow call and you just keep screaming at these raghorns, they're going to be like, ah, I don't want none of that. They're yeah. out, you know? Yeah. They probably just not cared. <laughs> like, uh, I don't want my like, ass kicked. Yeah. yeah. No, thanks. Not uh, again. Dude. Well, congrats either way. That's Thank pretty you. awesome. Um, I think you owe Louis some elk steaks. That's for sure. Dude, the, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> just to make matter. So I, I think like this is just like this is the punctuation. Like, um, I don't want any sympathy or anything. But girlfriend and I are splitting up. I'm moving up to Bozeman. That's all good. <laughs> Louis is letting me live at his house right now. After he, <laughs> this, dude, you've had dude, such a crazy season. This dude, yeah, this dude literally was like, oh, I blew up my truck. 50 miles from town and he drives out there and tells me back. And then I'm like, Hey, I need to have you, uh, or they loaned me his forerunner. And then I'm like, Hey, I need help looking for an elk. And then he helped <laughs> me pack that son of a gun two miles up and out of an 800 foot hole. And then <laughs> he's letting me stay at his place while, you know, before you and I go on our hunt. Yeah, dude. And, Solid you know, dude. That's so. yeah. I, like I said, I think you owe him like quarter, if not half an elk. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, him and I went mule deer hunting this weekend and he's, he didn't even think he was going to go mule deer hunting cause he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, and we glassed up like 40, 41 deer. Um, and he was like, dude, this is awesome. Like this is the Western hunting I've always wanted to do. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's cool. Here we are. You know, nice. so that, if I can pay Repay some of it that it. way. Anyway, nice. there's a lesson for you folks. Keep good friends. Yeah. Yeah. I keep friends during hunting season. That's a good, that's a good line of uh credit right there. Um, alrighty. Well, awesome season, dude. Uh, any final thoughts on the hunt on, um, I guess, what are your final thoughts? If you could go back and tell your one-on-one self. Uh, so when I look at like the approach of the one-on-one self, you oftentimes were in the mindset of like, man, I hope I run into elk today. You know, like what we, what we kind of started talking about. The one-on-one self needs to know, like, you have all the tools in the toolbox to get into elk consistently and to eventually, like, get drawn back and make a shot happen. Like, you just have to have the mindset that that's what you're going to do and you're going to have to put the time in to do it. Like, if I would have given myself a week for this hunt, I wouldn't have expected to come home successful. And especially if you live from out of state or something like it's really hard to say, like, I have seven days, I'm going to run a 201 level like playbook and everything is going to go perfectly to plan. Yeah. Don't expect things to go to plan, but give her hell. You know? Yeah. And I think that's like, as you graduate through the ranks of 201, I think that is where it becomes like, you know, it takes you, tw- it took you 20 days to confidently kill an elk this year or to kill an elk this year. I think as you get better, you know, 
obviously there's like the free kickups where, you know, I shoot a bowl on day three, uh, pure luck, you know, like, I mean, you can't say it's pure luck because there's a lot of things that go into that, but yeah, you have to put yourself in the right position for those opportunities. For sure. And I think like, so it, there's an average, right? So like maybe it took you 20 days to kill the first one, but then slowly you work that down. Um, and some days you'll kill on day, you know, two, some days you'll kill on day 18. Like I've still killed bulls on day 18. So like, I'm not saying you know, anything, it can go either way. I just think it gets better. You get more consistent. I think now that you've got that kill under your belt, the next time you're you know presented with those 23 yard shots, you're a little bit cooler, a little bit calmer, a little more collected, you know, those things get better with time and experience. Man, I think a lot of this can also be translated to anyone's type of hunting. Um, I know there's a lot of whitetail guys who will sit tree stands, you know, they've got like long seasons, right? Mm-hmm. But you sit tree stands for 30, 40, 50 days in that fall and you may or may not find your target buck, you know? Yeah. Like at some level, you just have to be out there. You can't kill them from the couch. For sure. No. What a heck of a year, dude. All right, buddy. Yeah. Well, uh, congrats again. And I will see you in two days, a few days. Actually, by the time this airs, We'll be hunting antelope in Wyoming. In six inches? No. Oh, God. It's going to be miserable. It's going to be brutal. Yeah. We're, we're going antelope hunting in a blizzard, a whiteout blizzard. What did you text me today? Negative 18 with wind chill? Yeah. Five degrees, negative 18 with wind chill. Frick. Burr. Everybody. Well, when <laughs> this airs, Wyoming. <laughs> when this airs, it's going to be, a, uh, it's going to be enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. I think folks can follow along either on your Instagram or Kevin might be running Instagram for first light, right? Yeah. I think it's going to be on the first light's Instagram. Uh, and final notes that if anybody wants and hasn't yet, you want to check out this one Oh one to two Oh one, like mini course that we built, uh, kind of around this whole concept of taking yourself from one one to two Oh one. You can check that out at Jaden. What's the URL? Uh, the rich net backslash 201 four slash 201 yeah it's a four slash two backslash i've always said backslash but whatever backslash 201 it's four slash 201 <laughs> i don't know either way uh there's a link to the 201 uh mini course on the website if you go there Alrighty, go check it out it's totally free it's like an eight day mini course centered mainly around archery we are we need to do one on rifle as well we've got a lot of requests for that uh so Maybe that'll be in the works. We're going to try to do something. I know Jay and I are going to do a podcast coming up after this antelope hunt on kind of that entire concept. Maybe we'll work through that for a 201 rifle version. So uh, be on the lookout for that. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and congrats to Jaden. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Elk Hunt Podcast. If you love elk hunting content, tips and tactics, all that jazz, then go leave this podcast a review wherever you listen to podcasts at. Much appreciated. And if you're interested, go check out our Elk Hunt 201 course. It's a four-step system for doubling your success. It's a great resource, and it's going to make you a better hunter. I guarantee that, or we'll refund your money. Uh, If you don't get anything out of it, if you don't get $30 out of it, then we'll definitely refund your money. So go check it out. Link in the show notes.